Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Hacking HR podcast, the show where we talk about the amazing future of human resources and all things at the intersection of future of work, technology, innovation, organizations, transformation, and people. At Hacking HR, we believe that human resources can become the most important trailblazer, leading people and organizations successfully and effectively into the new reality of work and life. To do that, we must rise to the challenges of our times, shoot for the stars, and achieve our fantastic potential. During this show, we discuss ideas, insights, data, experiences, stories, and anything else that can contribute to helping you become and be a better HR leader and practitioner. Thank you so much for joining us today and enjoy the show. For me, this idea of getting unmuted is this is, is about showing up and it's about showing up expressed, expressing ourselves in terms of our feelings, in terms of our strengths, in terms of, you know, having maybe challenging conversations. Like I, I think of, you know, people that have unmuted themselves and spoken some maybe challenging truths to me, things that in the moment I didn't really want to hear but because of my history and relationship with them and kind of all the investments they'd make and made in that relational bank account, they could go there. So when I think of what it is to be unmuted, I think, I think it means using, using your voice to speak up and to speak out and um, to also use it to, to spread goodness in the world, to kind of be a, be a force for goodness and hope. Rachel has been recognized as the number one health promotion professional in the U.S. and a 40 under 40 game changer. Rachel is a national thought leader and dynamic speaker. She's on a mission to empower people to use their voices courageously to speak up, speak out, and have a positive impact in the world. With expertise in resilience, well-being, and leadership, Rachel is a catalyst who ignites people to live and lead more intentionally so that they can thrive at work and at home. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking Nature podcast. I am very happy to be with my friend Rachel today. How are you, Rachel? I'm, I'm doing great. Now I'm talking to you. I'm having a good start to my week. Well, that's great. I mean, likewise, you know, it's, uh, it's always very fun to talk and share experiences and, uh, you know, stories about so many different things going on, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot. Even things that, like, we just didn't expect, which is like the story of 2020, I feel like. <laughs> I know, yeah, this year has been um, an incredibly weird year for everybody, I think. And, and you know, you add on top of that, the, the things that happen individually, like you had an accident and, yeah. you know, that, that adds on top of all the things that are already happening to everybody else. Yeah. Um, so, well, you know, it's, it's great to have you here. And, you know, I want to begin this conversation by talking about unmuting yourself. And I know you created this concept last year when, when, when you left your job, I mean, probably way before that. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to know more about what unmuting yourself means and how can we inspire the people who are watching or listening to this video or podcast? How can we inspire them to also unmute themselves and basically unleash their voice? So let's just begin yeah. with the beginning, which is what is unmuting yourself? So, I mean, it really comes from, for me, a, a lot of, I think a lot of us silence ourselves. We mute certain aspects who we, of who we are in terms of, you know, how we show up physically. We silence our voices in relationships. We don't speak up and share ideas or thoughts or questions or concerns at work. 
um, you know, we have feelings about things. Maybe we're scared or maybe we're anxious or maybe we're feeling insecure or maybe we felt slighted or maybe we're experiencing shame and we, we feel all these different things and we don't necessarily um, communicate them because we're afraid that if we do, if we speak up, that we're somehow going to be either rejected, we're going to be judged or someone's not going to like us or someone's going to think we're like too big for our britches or something like that. And so we silence ourselves. And so I was somebody who did that for a lot of my life and all of those ways that I just mentioned, um, including being someone who loved to sing and then wouldn't do that in public either. And so for, for me, this idea of getting unmuted is, this, is, is about showing up and it's about showing up expressed, expressing ourselves in terms of our feelings, in terms of our strengths, in terms of, you know, having maybe challenging conversations. Like I, I think of, you know, people that have unmuted themselves and spoken some maybe challenging truths to me, things that in the moment I didn't really want to hear, but because of my history and relationship with them and kind of all the investments they'd make and made in that relational bank account, they could go there. So when I think of what it is to be unmuted, I think, I think it means using, using your voice to speak up and to speak out and um, to also use it to, to spread goodness in the world, to kind of be a, be a force for goodness and hope. Um, so those are some things that come to mind for me when I think about what it is to be unmuted. But, you know, there, we, we are in a world where even when we have been speaking more about vulnerability and humanity in the workplace and in life in general, because this is not something that is just contained in the workplace. There's still a lot of apprehension when either, pe either people come forward with mm -hmm. unmuting themselves, meaning being who they are, mm -hmm. because they may come, come across as, you know, I, I, who knows how, right, mm -hmm. to other people, or yeah. because of the system in which they are coming forward and unmuting themselves, will potentially judge them, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. think about leaders, for example, with all the things that are happening in this year, 2020, with the pandemic, leaders traditionally have been seen as, well, these are the guys who make decisions, they have the answers, and they rally everybody together to you know, move forward in the organization. And now we see leaders coming forward, uh, perhaps more, more vulnerably, as, as we said before, mm -hmm and saying, you know, I don't know, I have no idea, I'm also afraid, I'm also scared, I, you know. So, so how, how can we create a system, right, where people can unmute themselves? Because it's, it's inspiring them to unmute themselves, but it's also mm -hmm. creating the conditions for yeah. the system, the environment, the workplace to accept when people come forward and unmute themselves. So how can we do that? Well, I wanna to touch on one of the things that you mentioned in there, because I think it's important is that a lot of times we just say, well, I'm just saying what I think. I'm just saying what I feel. I'm just being myself. And I, I, I connect it back to like psychological safety, right? The sense that we can speak up and with concerns or questions or ideas without fear of having, having our head chopped off. If, if you getting unmuted, it's okay if it makes somebody else uncomfortable, but if it threatens somebody else or it makes somebody else then feel not safe, what I would encourage people to do is really think about, okay, what's your motivation behind why you're getting unmuted? Is it really to just like prove a point? I have something to say, so I'm going to say it. I don't really care who bothers. <laughs> that may not be the most effective approach to take versus, you know, if you take this approach and say, I have something to say, let me be thoughtful about how I approach this because we have such a reactive, like just world. <laughs> we have such a reactive world that someone's like, well, I'm going to say something, so I'm just going to say it. And I don't necessarily, again, care who it affects. We need to be careful with that because uh, 
stuff stays in on the internet, right, in perpetuity, right? And so once yeah. you say it, you can't really can't take it back. And so now more than ever, we have to be mindful and thoughtful. And maybe that's where it's important. I think if there's something that you're going to say, really think about, am I saying this out of a, out of a place of anger? Am I saying this from a place of reactivity? Am I saying this from a, a, a place of fear or frustration in the moment? And what benefit is that going to have if I do that? Would I benefit from taking a second, taking a step back and thinking about what's, what's really behind what I'm thinking or feeling right now, yeah. right? So, and, and what would be the most effective way to communicate that? Is there anyone that knows me that I can maybe process this with first before I just put it out there for everybody? So I think those are important steps to take in the process. It's not just like, all right, everybody say whatever you want, whenever you want it, it doesn't matter who it affects. That to me is being irresponsible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that's happening a lot. Um, yeah. So, I mean, a couple things when you're asking about how we can do this, how we can create the conditions for that. I think part of it is starting from a place of curiosity. So starting from a place of not making assumptions, like curiosity is about noticing without judging. And so if you're, mm -hmm. if you're observing something in behavior in another person, that you're either confused by or surprised by, or you don't really understand, that you have the opportunity in that moment to use your voice and to ask questions and, and say, hey, I saw that this happened, or you said this, like, can you help me understand um, what you meant by that? Or can you help me understand, um, you know, I'd like to understand that better. That's like a perspective I haven't heard before. Can you unpack that a bit for me? I, I'm really curious and I wanna understand you and understand where you're coming from. Um, to be someone who, leads with that kind of curiosity, I think is one and genuine curiosity, right? Just like yeah. checking the box because people can tell the difference because then it's manipulation and that's not effective. Yeah. <laughs> so I think part of it is getting curious. Um, I think another part is being someone who, you know, who does take the risk to speak up and share something that like, if you're a leader, you don't have to share everything. Like it probably isn't a smart idea to tell your employees, we have no idea what's gonna happen. The business might go under in three months. Like I'm not fit to lead. Like, yeah, you can say TMI. that, right? Like TMI, right? There are still boundaries, right? So within, within being unmuted, it might sound weird to say this, but there is still is a, like boundaries to respect. And so part of it could be as a leader, you could say, you know, hey, like this, I'm, I'm feeling like kind of rattled and uncertain too. And my life has also been disrupted. And, um, you know, I, I've been feeling scared. And, right, here are the things that we are doing in order to move forward. Here are the ways that we are going to connect with you, our, our employees, for instance, to get your input on how we can navigate what's going on right now more effectively, because we want to hear from you. So part of it is when you open up and give other people voice, when you start to equalize the voices, that creates that starts to create psychological safety because you're saying everybody's voice matters. It's not just people at the top that are making the decisions. We really want to bring in the people that are boots on the ground and that are really um, experiencing this on a daily basis and, and have them brought into the conversation too. So I think part of it is curiosity. I think part of it is that kind of invitation to include other voices. And there are lots, I've been doing this a lot virtually, like there are ways to do this virtually yeah. to leverage. I, I love the idea of, I love the idea of, of inclusion in this conversation because when, when we're going through times of crisis and uncertainty, very often, not even the most experienced people have the answers to whatever we're going through uh, because 
regardless of their experience, they may not have gone through whatever it's happening at the moment. So this idea of bringing people together on an, on an equal basis and, and just saying, you know, we, we, these are the problems we're dealing with, you know, unmute yourself and it is the time to vulnerably, uh, you know, as a human, just to come forward and put those ideas on the table because we never know which one of those ideas will be the one that sticks and that can solve the problems that, that we're dealing with. But that also creates, of course, you know, you say that and I think about my own experience and, and I think there are pl- workplaces that have created a culture, though imperfect, but a culture where people come forward in that way. Mm-hmm. But there are some other workplaces that have done exactly the opposite. Yeah. And now they're asking people to come forward and people will say, well, you know, probably not. You know, it's not that easy for me. You'd be telling me, hammering my head, you know, over the past so many years for me because I'm saying the things that I think are right to do in the organization. And now you're asking me to yep. come forward. So how do we change that? So in, in those kind of organizations that have done the wrong thing for so long, but now they need people to be unmuted because mm-hmm. they need their talents, their ideas, their creativity, their curiosity. How can we sort of reset and, mm-hmm. and start over again, if you will? Yeah, I mean, that's true of a lot of companies, right? To your point, I think part of it comes with leadership acknowledging and saying, hey, you know what, in the past, we recognize, and this is where the vulnerability comes in, but also the, the trust, trust building happens when we, are, when we are authentically vulnerable. To say, you know, in the past, we may have asked for your insights on things, and, uh, and we recognize that we have not taken action on what you've shared with us, or that we haven't always created a space where you really felt like you could openly share. We said that you could, but we didn't we didn't necessarily act out our words. And so we recognize that it's now on us to rebuild your trust. And so one of the ways that we wanna start doing that is to invite perhaps like a pilot group of people. We wanna get a group of people together around X issue, around X challenge, right? And imagine what might be possible now. So part of this is taking an approach um, that I've been learning a lot about called appreciative inquiry, which is really looking at the best of what was, the best of what is, and the best of what will be, and imagining what could be possible. So it shifts us from solving problems to mapping out possibilities. And so just the very language that we use in organizations is really, really important. Um, One of the things that I've I've learned from um, a a coach and teacher, John Berghoff, is that um, words create worlds. And so if we're focused on solving problems and fixing broken things, that creates a certain energy versus if we're saying, okay, as an organization, what could, what might be possible going forward that wasn't possible before and bringing people together in conversations where they have opportunities to do two things. They have the opportunity because most organizations combine these into one. They have the opportunity to do some divergent thinking, which basically the way that you could do this as an organization is first, you know, get a small group of people together, do it virtually, have some mood music, you know, just soft music playing in the background, ask a question, give them two minutes to reflect on whatever that question is, for instance, um, on their own. So like, you know, how might we create an environment that is supportive and innovative in this time of uncertainty? Could be a question. Let people reflect on that on their own because some people are internal processors and we don't want to, yeah. we want to avoid group think. So give people the chance to think on their own. Go into Zoom, send them into breakout rooms. Have them have conversations where each person gets an equal amount of time to share what they had written down. Then once you do that, you bring the group together and say, hey, as a collective, what are some of maybe like the the two, three or four most energizing ideas that we heard in that conversation? As a collective, you decide. So you begin, each part of this is inclusive 
and creates a sense of, again, equal voices. And then when you come back out and bring everyone back together, you then have maybe a spokesperson from each group share, okay, here are some of the top ideas that we came up with. So you start with this reflective opportunity where everyone has equal time. You get the opportunity to do some divergent thinking where people are sharing all of these different ideas. And then you start to streamline them a bit into what's called like a convergent thinking. So you go from brainstorming to really mm -hmm. focusing in and saying, all right, what are a few of these that we, that we really think would be most mm -hmm. energizing for the rest of the group to hear? And so by going through processes like that over and over again, like you can't do that once a year and be like, we checked the brainstorming <laughs> box. <laughs> we did the one thing one year and we congratulate ourselves for doing it one time. Right. Like yeah. we sent out a survey. Did you do anything about it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause that's, that happens too. So, I mean, that would be like one example of to the extent that you can begin to create an opportunity for equal voices to be heard. And I've done, I mean, I know this works cause I do it. I do this every week and I'm seeing what's happening. I'm seeing organizations where for instance, people come to me and they say, all right, look, Rachel, we've never done anything supporting people with their soft skills. Uh, but Josh Burson calls power skills. I like that much better. Like yeah. they're skeptical. They're cynical. They're introverted. Um, they're not into touchy feely fluffy stuff. That's what I get prompted by for pretty much every company that I, <laughs> that I work with. And then shockingly, the process works. Yeah. Like they're always surprised that people who never say anything share. It's like, well, yeah, if you create a system where people have equal voices and you're giving them equal space and opportunity to share, and then come together and co-create a solution that inherently creates a different level of energy than saying, all right, these five or six people make all the decisions yeah. and then everyone else gets to trickle down. And then we deal with their, <laughs> their wrath after they're ticked off at us for doing something they didn't even ask for. So, yeah. you know, so I mean that, I'm not sure if that's helpful, but that's like one way. It, it, it is a fantastic process. And, and, and actually it is a very design thinking oriented process where uh, you know, you, you rely on, on people's talents and people's capacities to provide feedback, to provide ideas, to identify challenges or problems. You know, even if we think about them from a positive perspective sure. as, you know, like what can we do as, you know, to uh, sort of like develop these opportunities that we have uh, mm -hmm. right now. So I, I think it's powerful. When you do these things, do you ever dream about your job ever being finished? Like, let, let, me, let me put it this way. In the year 2030, you have worked with all the organizations in the world and the work is done. Everybody has unmuted themselves and now you're done. You can retire on the beach. What, <laughs> what do organizations look like when they are able to do this? What does the world look, look like? Yeah. How, the, how do people behave mm -hmm. when they are able to, to live and thrive in an environment where they, they are constantly unmuted, if you will. How does that look like? Yeah. Mm. That's a really <laughs> awesome, okay, that's a really awesome picture because when I think of it, when I think of really at its core, what unmuted, being unmuted is about, is that it's, it's based on this core belief that I have, that, that, is, that everyone wants to be seen, heard, valued, accepted, loved, and to feel like they belong. And, and to come alive. At our core, like at our core as human beings, we want to feel alive and so many people don't. And for me to think of a world where, oh my gosh, like I don't even know, could we handle it? Like <laughs> if, people were, if people were fully alive, if people were pursuing the things that, that gave them life, if people were sharing how they felt in relationships and, um, 
and really sought to connect and understand each other. Uh, if, you know, if people, if everybody was operating out of their strengths, like the level of innovation that would be possible is mind blowing. I think the level of engagement that is possible, the level of healing that is possible in relationships, because so many people who feel stifled and shut down, we all know people, right? We've all been there, you know, maybe we still are in some ways, but to see someone who was previously like this, to see them almost like that they're in the cocoon, right? And they're like, they're in the breakdown, the messy breakdown in the cocoon. And to to imagine everybody kind of like, and it is idyllic, but idyllic, but like, who cares? Like, let's have some, (laughs) let's imagine a really beautiful future. Let's dream it, yeah. (laughs) And this is the right opportunity to dream it. Yeah, like, and so imagine if everyone is like open. I imagine like a like a butterfly. I love peacocks. I have peacocks everywhere, like all over my house. Um, pictures like I know, I know you do. Yeah, <laughs> like behind <laughs> my head somewhere, there's a sign, my phone case. Uh, you know, I, I think it allows for a certain level of innovation because being unmuted also means that if someone shares something and hmm, maybe I don't agree, I feel safe enough to say, "Hey." Uh, I see things differently. Let's, let's dig a little bit deeper on this as opposed to everyone just sits there, nods their heads. And five of those people are like, this is the stupidest idea ever, which is often what happens now. Like people are silent and then they go off and complain to each other. It's like, you had an opportunity to speak up and you didn't, (laughs) you know? So I just think we'd be so much more efficient. We'd be so much more, um, innovative and creative. Tolerant with each other too. Oh my gosh. Uh, Because if, if, if others are, unmuting themselves and speaking up, that also gives us permission to do that ourselves as well, right? And if, and that's what I, that's, you know, we, we're going through this pandemic and there's, this is a tragedy and a catastrophe, but one of the gifts out of this tragedy is, in my view, seeing leaders coming forward as the humans they are, not as the machines we thought they were, mm-hmm. but as the humans they are. And as they come forward, they create the safety for other people to say, wait a second, if Rachel, who is my CEO, she's coming forward with all these challenges that she's dealing with at home, at work, with life and, and whatnot, that is intrinsically giving me permission to do the same because yeah. it's an encouragement to say, hey, we're all on this together in one way or another. And, and we can be, you know, we can be truly humans now, right? I mean, before we were, we, went, we, want, we wanted to ask everybody to be or to behave like a robot. Now we can be humans. And, and I love that. I, I dream with that kind of world too. Yeah. Well, and also the other thing I noticed as you were saying that, what came up for me is a story, an experience I had recently with a, you know, a, a friend of mine who's been a friend for a long time. And, you know, we had, obviously I'm, I'm white and she's black and we had never had conversations about, about race before until, you know, everything that happened with, with George Floyd. And, and she had expressed to me that there were some things that she had felt shut down on. I had no idea that I had created that environment for her, um, but she didn't feel like she could really go there with me. And so I, in that moment was like, look, I really want to create a space in our friendship where you don't have to hide that part of who you are. And if, and if you're feeling shut down by me in some way, I want to know. And that was an uncomfortable conversation, but like sometimes we have to give other people permission to unmute themselves and to show that we're going to still be there with them. We're still going to have their back. We're still, you know, even if it's uncomfortable, because so often our relationships, the second it gets uncomfortable, we're like, peace, I'm out of here. You know, like, (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, in friendships and marriages and workplaces, we're like, oh, this is uncomfortable. Bye. And it's like, do you know how much growth can happen in the midst of discomfort? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that makes me that makes me think actually about the fact that so many people run away from conflict and from uh, you know uh, difficulties. And I'm not saying that you always have to be seeking for conflict and, and difficulties, but when they happen, I think they represent an incredible opportunity to, to grow and to become better. Uh, because you know, if things were easy all the time or if things were like steady all the time, we would be the same that we were 20 years ago or 30 years ago, and we would be the same 20 years from now than we are today. So I think it's what you're saying. It's in that discomfort that comes from having conversations that are not easy for any of the parties in that conversation, whether, whether it is race conversations, whether it is this other kinds of discrimination or conversations about work or relationships, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's so much growth that can happen in that space. Yeah. They're, 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 so you just said, I've I, I, <laughs> things that come up as you're saying these things. One of the phrases my husband and I learned in some of the marriage um, work that we've done, we've done work with like couples around communication and connection because we really sucked at that <laughs> for like <laughs> the first seven years we were together. Uh, we've been together for 14 years now, but one of the things we learned that has stuck with me so much that I think will encourage anyone listening to this is that conflict is growth trying to happen. Wow. And I heard that from Harville, a guy named Harville Hendricks and his wife, Helen LaKelly Hunt. They've written all these amazing books, like getting the love you want and keeping the love you find and receiving love. And we've gone through several, um, dozens of hours of their training on how to really create safety in, in, a, in a marriage and in an intimate relationship. And that was such an encouragement to me because so often when we're in conflict and relationship, we're like, this must not be working. As opposed, instead of leaning into the conflict and saying, okay, what growth might be trying to happen here? Yeah. So I think organizations and that's, leaders could learn from that That's such a too. powerful way to reframe mm-hmm. the negativity that seemingly comes out of a conflict. Uh, yeah. Wow, that's, I'm just reflecting about it and it's so powerful uh, and, and it is true. There's this growth in there and, and instead of just running away from it, it's, it's just like, you know, facing, facing the conflict, facing the difficulties. And like the question that you ask yourself, uh, you know, what, what growth can, you know, is waiting to happen mm-hmm. out of this conflict. I think that's, uh, that's, that's so powerful. So if you, if you were to recommend both individuals and leaders in, at, at work, mm-hmm. how they can begin this process of unmuting everybody, what would you say to them? What would be... I don't like oversimplifying this stuff, but I always ask, ask kind of the same question and I always say the same thing, which is what, what would be a, a, a playbook that they can yeah. go by to create this culture of unmuting people mm-hmm. to speak up? Well, I think, I think one, I mean, going through a, pro- a process, like a design thinking process where you just really, maybe you talk about that topic of communication, <laughs> yeah. like have a conversation about how communication happens in this organization. You know, what does it look like when we're communicating at our best? And what are some, some things that tend to get in the way and disrupt communication? Have a conversation of people tell stories about a time where they had a really amazing communication experience and tell a story about a time where it didn't work at all. And what are the lessons that we can learn? And I think that's where it starts about getting curious about, again, the best of what's been and even getting curious about, hey, when it hasn't worked, when it's like just totally bombed, what is there anything that's consistently happening in those situations? So I think... Again, getting curious and bringing people into the conversation. I think another thing too, 
I encourage individuals to do this is there's an exercise called the reflected best self. And so what you do is you reach out to like eight to 10 people who know you well, and uh, they could be in all different areas of your life, work colleagues, friends, family members, mentors, coaches, whatever. And you reach out to them and say, hey, I'm doing some, you know, reflection, which is totally legit. A lot of people are doing reflection right now. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of doing some reflection on my growth and uh, you're someone who knows me well. And I would, I would I'd love if you could share with me, tell me about a time where you really saw me at my best. You know, what strengths did you see come out? What um, behaviors did you see in me? What, you know, words would you use to describe um, how I showed up? And send an email, just send 10 emails, 10 different people, sub, you know, with whatever you want in subject line. And people that know you are typically going to respond to that. And then they'll share a story. And then you start to mine those stories and notice, okay, what are the common themes that I'm seeing in these stories and these things people are saying? And as we begin to get more clarity around the things that we do well, that's one of the things that helps build up our confidence. So when we get in situations where we have the opportunity to use that in the future, we're more likely to do so because we, we all deal with self-doubt and, and negative self-talk in some ways. But if we have other people that really know us, that can pour into us and say, hey, this is what I see in you when you're like being awesome. That gives us the confidence to show up with more of that when we have the opportunity, when, when we're invited into. And we can even say, we can even have a conversation with our boss and say, hey, I, I, talk to your manager about something like this. Hey, I've been doing some work, some kind of reflection work, and I've been getting feedback from people that really know me well. And here's some things that are coming up. Can you think of any opportunities and ways that I could, you know, use these skills and strengths even more here so that I can have even more of an impact? It's like doing something like that starting off can be a really powerful exercise, just not only to build self-awareness, but also to build your confidence and position you to have more of those conversations with somebody to ad essentially advocate for yourself. So tell people to BYOA, instead of BYOB, <laughs> be your own advocate. Um, and, and so I think, I think that getting some clarity around that and then creating some of those systems and those opportunities um, that again, it works because I see it work, whether it's scientists, um, engineers, accountants, HR professionals, uh, wellness, wellness professionals. I mean, I've seen this work with, you know, doing that design thinking type process virtually. I've seen it work with all kinds of industries and the, the outcomes are pretty consistent is that yeah. people are always amazed by how much comes out of it just by asking better and more thoughtful questions and giving people the space to, to share. And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a reinforcing process as well where sometimes we fail to see our own strength and, you know, our own talents and it is only through the eyes of other people mm -hmm. that we are able to acknowledge and say, wow, I didn't think that people saw me that way. I'm, you know, I'm, it's it, not in an arrogant way, but yeah. in a way of like, I'm, I'm cool. You know, I, I, I didn't know I was that cool. So thank you for, for bringing me that kind of energy. Uh, and I think everybody needs that, right? And, and uh, we, often, we often expect that to happen just, just out of the blue. But if we are more intentional about asking for that kind of feedback, it can bring the two things that you just said, which is number one, those areas for potential growth and yeah. those areas for reinforcement of the things that we are great at, mm -hmm. that people value us for, 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 you know, for those kind of skills or capabilities or behaviors that, yeah. that we may have. So that's, that's fantastic. Um, Rachel, as we wrap up this conversation, I always end up the, the, the podcast with the same question. And that okay. is, what excites you about the future and what concerns you about the future? 
Yeah. <laughs> a lot of things, a lot of things excite <laughs> me about the future. Um, just being able to do this work to see how hungry, like I have never seen people like to get emails. People are like, Hey, we're doing a session on like hope and resilience and self-care. I used to get emails like that from people. <laughs> now it's like, I'm so optimistic that people are seeing the need for these conversations and that they're, and that they're bringing them in because they know people need it and they're doing it because they care not to check a box. So that really encourages me that I feel like there has been a shift uh, in truly caring for people. And the thing that concerns me is the lack of curiosity in terms of what I've seen as even more polarization that the second we feel threatened, the second our reality is threatened, we get hyper defensive. Yeah. We have the opportunity to respond with defensiveness or with curiosity. And I think that one of the things that concerns me is the extent to which um, a lot of people are still responding with defensiveness yeah. and how that puts up walls. So I'm, I'm hopeful that that can shift, but it is something that concerns me. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a powerful concern. And, and especially in our po politically polarized American society and, and in the world, you know, many, in many other places, this is happening as well. But, uh, you know, there's a, when, when systems and things are changing, what was before, it, it, it never goes out uh, uh, quietly. It, it, it takes, uh, you know, this idea of using people as assets, as resources, mm -hmm. and never taking care of them and never allowing them to unmute themselves. That system is dying but it won't go quietly, right? It's gonna take some time for us to, to, to heal and to build something different. And, and I'm hoping that this polarization and these defense, people being defensive about their points of view and their ideas, that hopefully will change, right? As, as we yeah. heal and, and, and build something different. So, yeah. um, so Rachel, thank you so much. This is a great conversation and I, I feel inspired to continue to not only unmute myself, but also, invite people who are unmuting themselves to inspire others as well to unmute themselves. That's awesome. That's so, can I throw in one last thought that, that I Shoot think it, please. ties everything together? Okay. I'm like, I got to get unmuted. I got to say it is a thing <laughs> that really came up in the, in the midst of going through the recovery of um, getting hit by a car back in May. I had a back brace on. And so I had this very visible setback. And so the thing that I just would encourage people to think about is even the people that are the most frustrating for you, that drive you nuts, that you think they wake up in the morning like just to make your day miserable. That, <laughs> that those I knew, people- I knew one of those. <laughs> what's that? I knew one of those. <laughs> Did you? Okay. <laughs> I think we all do. We all do, yeah. Like we all know, sometimes multiples, um, that, that, that everyone has. So I had like this, this visible backpack on essentially, that everybody, everybody's walking around with some type of an invisible backpack. And so one of the, one of the most meaningful things that we can do is to unmute our grace and to, and to pour out grace and compassion on people, recognizing that everybody is, is struggling with something, but that people are doing the best they can with what they have in a moment. And so if we can, as a society, offer and demonstrate, in, in addition to challenging people and inviting them to be unmuted and use their voices for good, that we can also be people that offer and pour out and extend grace, recognizing that life is hard and that everybody's dealing with something. I feel like that's another thing that can help us start to shift our mindset to have more of these meaningful conversations. Powerful. Unmute your grace, unmute your compassion. Rachel, thank you so much for being with me today. 
Thanks, Enrique. <laughs> Everybody, thank you so much. Stay tuned for the next Hacking HR podcast. See you soon. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.